This episode of Revision Path is brought to you by Facebook Design. One thing that I love asking guests on the show is what advice they would give to an up-and-coming designer. When I talk with product designer Matthew Suber, I asked him what's the best advice he's been given about design. Um, I, I suppose it's a, a bit less about design, but more about personal and professional growth, which has kind of uh, indirect implications that are positive. So it's really about to take time to understand generally and to use uh, that to identify opportunities and ultimately ask for feedback often so you ensure that whatever you're designing, uh, that you deliver, that whatever you're delivering has a clear value. Learn more at facebook.com forward slash design. Are you looking for a job? Do you know someone who's looking for a job? Then check out our job board over at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. This week, Vox Media is looking for a visuals editor for Curbed at their New York City office. Cast Inc. is looking for an interaction and UI designer in Wakefield, Massachusetts. Fall Creek Software is looking for a design engineer for Glitch. And Williams College in Williamstown, Massachusetts is looking for a senior designer. For freelancers, Cactus Group, as well as Social Experiments DC, are both looking for website designers. Check out the job board for more info. We also have job listings from Indeed.com, so head to the Revision Path job board at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs to apply and to search for any other listings. Don't forget to sign up for weekly job alerts so when there are new positions added to the job board, you'll get an email so you can be the first to apply. Again, that's revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast. My name is Maurice Cherry, and before we get into this week's interview, I just want to remind you again about our audience survey. Just go to revisionpath.com forward slash survey to fill that out. It takes about five to 10 minutes to do so. And we do the audience survey so we can learn more about you, so we can give you more of the things that you want, less of the things that you don't want, and so we can get that feedback to help improve the show. Again, that's revisionpath.com forward slash survey. We're going to pick one lucky respondent from that survey to win a $500 Amazon.com gift card. Yes, $500. Usually we do $100. This year it's our fifth anniversary, so we're doing $500. Again, revisionpath.com forward slash survey. Survey is going to close on April the 30th at midnight Eastern, so don't delay. Now let's talk about our sponsors, Glitch, Google Design, and MailChimp. Glitch is the friendly community where you'll build the web app of your dreams. So whether you're into design, coding, music, or art, Glitch is the right tool for you. You can start from scratch or you can remix any of the available projects and make them your own. And if you get stuck on something, just raise your hand and get help from the Glitch community. It's really simple. Get started on making something awesome today at Glitch.com. Whether it's defining a branding style in VR or creating a voice user interface that actually feels human, Google Design is committed to sharing the best design thinking from Google and beyond. Sign up for great stories, events, and the latest updates on material design at design.google forward slash newsletter. Again, that's design.google forward slash newsletter. You can also follow Google Design on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+. 
Did you know that the number one email marketing priority is personalization? I mean, it makes sense, you know, if you think about it, you wanna hear from the people and businesses that you like, and MailChimp helps make that happen with their robust campaign builder and a host of helpful automations. It's email marketing with a personal touch. Sign up at MailChimp.com today for a free account. MailChimp, send better email. Now for this week's interview. I'm talking to Shannon Boone, creative director at Sessie Magazine. Let's start the show. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. Hi, I'm Shannon Boone. I'm a web developer, a web designer, a graphic designer, and a user experience and user interface designer. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so with doing all of this different kind of design, what's a typical day like for you? So my daytime job, I'm a user interface designer. So I usually do like a regular work schedule, like nine to five, Monday through Friday. And at night, sometimes I'm an instructor. I may teach about two or three days a week at this um, lab in Vienna, and I teach kids anywhere between 7 and 17. I teach them this program called Scratch, which is like the basics of coding, Mm -hmm. and also teach front-end web development, which include HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. And then, yes, and then four times a year, I work on a magazine called Sessie, and I pretty much lay that out when I have free time. Let's talk a little bit more about the the education. When did you first start teaching? I actually just started in August, so I've only been doing this for two semesters. (laughs) How's it been so far? It's been pretty good. It's a learning experience, and it's also good for me to keep up with coding. Cause sometimes if you, I haven't done coding in a while. So if you haven't, sometimes you lose things and that is something I don't want to lose. So it actually helps me teaching other kids how to write web pages. It actually helps me to teach them write, write web pages. That way I'm not like forgetting things because it's easy to forget a lot of things. And that's something I just don't want to lose. Yeah. I've always said that most designer, well, designers, coders, et cetera, should teach at some point because it forces you to kind of reevaluate what it is you know from a different perspective. Exactly. Uh, Especially if you're self-taught. You know, we Mm -hmm. learn a lot of things through tutorials and, you know, really just through trial and error. And then to kind of turn that around and then show someone else how to do it can be, uh, it can be challenging, but I think it's also a way, like you said, to help yourself kind of keep up to date with, with that knowledge. Right. And I also feel like I've learned better from people who've actually worked in the industry rather than just from like professors who are like professional teachers, I guess, because they actually know what's really going on. And I think a lot of times teachers teach from a book instead of from the actual industry that Mm -hmm. you're going into once you finish school. Yeah. I taught a web development course for two years and I remember when I first came in, the first thing I wanted to do was completely revamp their <laughs> curriculum because this was this was maybe, God, when was this, like 2010, 2011? And it was coming in and teaching, you know, teaching adult students how to make websites, but they were still teaching them how to make websites using tables. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, I first... sometimes, yeah, I sometimes tell my students, like, in the old days, we used to use HTML4, and they're like, what, what is that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the yeah. first thing I did was go to the dean and say, you know, we need to rewrite this, because that's not how, that's not no. how we make web pages out here. <laughs> and we certainly don't want to teach students things that are not going to be able 
to like get them jobs. We want to teach mm-hmm. them marketable skills that they can actually go out and and use and get work and get paid. Exactly. <laughs> what has been the biggest challenge aside from what you just mentioned? What's been the biggest challenge with teaching? I guess just trying to pace myself. At first it was a little challenging as far as like I had this whole idea at home like I would prep, right? So I would prep (laughs) and then I would get in there and it would totally go wrong. And then you also got to keep in mind your age um, bracket. Mm -hmm. But I have small kids like seven and 11. I know you got to keep kids engaged. You got to keep things fun and take brain breaks, which, you know, means they have to get up and color. So in our lab, we have a, a dry erase wall. So a lot of times we'll have the students just jump up and start writing code on the wall or just even draw a picture, whatever they feel like doing, Mm -hmm. just to, you know, get that out. And then we can come back and start coding. Brain breaks. I like that. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Sure. I need brain breaks as an adult. That's right. (laughs) We all do. (laughs) I want to know about Sessie. Tell me about Sessie Magazine for our audience. What is, what is that? Okay. So Sessie Magazine is a magazine that um, one of my friends from high school um, started and she's the editor in chief and it's um, a magazine for young girls, teen girls, I think from age, I wouldn't, I can't remember. I think 13 and 17 is our demographic, but it's basically a magazine she wanted to create because she felt like when she would get other magazines, like, you know, 17, I think it was like YM something. She didn't really see herself represented in the magazine. And then she just wanted to make sure that she created something for her and her people, or our people, basically. So <laughs> so she asked me to take a look at one of her layouts one day. And at the time, I had went back to school because I went and got my undergrad degree at Virginia State University. And I was going back to school at the University of Baltimore for publication design. And I happened to be taking a magazine design class because I always wanted to get in magazine design. So she asked me to look at her magazine layout. And I was like, oh, this looks cute, but let me let me do something because I just really, you know, had to get my hands on it. So mm-hmm. since then, she just asked me, did I want to jump on board? And I'm like, absolutely, because this is what I wanted to do ever since I like went to school in undergrad. Because my undergrad major, I was kind of like a graphic design major. Mm -hmm. But it was an all-inclusive major, meaning that we got graphic design skills and we got web design skills and also print design. But we started doing, like, sketching and life drawing. I think I took a pottery class, a painting class. So it was kind of like a fine arts major, but also with the graphic and web elements in it. So it was kind of inclusive. So you could have really went anywhere in your career that you wanted to go after you finished there. Pottery? That's, that's yeah, I did. That was an elective. <laughs> oh, okay. I was gonna say I was wondering how that all kind of. But I did like together. pottery. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, that was an elective. But it was yeah. But I like that degree because it was inclusive. It wasn't just one path. Like you can pick several paths with mm-hmm. that degree. And now, what was your overall time like at Virginia State? I had fun. <laughs> I did four years. I had fun. So I mean, I feel like that was the best time of my life. I was broke. I didn't have too many responsibilities and I had fun and I really miss it. (laughs) (laughs) There was something interesting that you wrote in your bio and we were kind of prepping for the interview when you were mentioning your, your time in the web design kind of program or some of these classes and you weren't doing so well. Can you tell me a little bit about that? (laughs) 
Yeah, so I took web design class because I figured when I left um, school, that was something I would have to get into at some point in my life. So I took the class and I think we really didn't have a lot of grades in there. So my first grade I got was a midterm and it was an F and I got, I think I failed my midterm, but so did everybody else. So I failed my midterm, right? And we only had like a midterm and a final project. And my final project, I really didn't do that great. And now that I'm thinking about how my website looked, it was horrible. But I um, (laughs) actually got a D in the class. And that was, yeah. And But really what made me upset about it was I had had a D in the class. And I tried to like beg the teacher, like, please, because it was my last semester. I was graduating in May. Mm -hmm. And I was like, please, I need you to um, raise this grade. And he was like, absolutely not. Because I think I was just like one point away from making the 3.0. So you were like, what is it, cum laude or something like that? But I was so yeah. mad because like all the other semesters in school, I was doing okay. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so that class really messed me up. But yeah, I ended up getting a D in class. And I think I even tried to get a couple jobs in web design and it never really worked out. But what I ended up doing was I went, I went I've been back to school a couple of times. I went to this one school called Montgomery College, which is like a junior college. Mm-hmm. And I took a couple of web design courses and I kind of understood where I was messing up at. And then I also did a lot of volunteer work. So I, I have a nine to five job. And then I would do some volunteer work at like some organizations. I know one was for this place called Child Art Fund. I was helping making their website, but it was a webmaster already working there. So me and him kind of worked together. And then I worked at another nonprofit called Chime. I think it was something about children and music. Mm-hmm. So I helped her, you know, do a couple graphic items and stuff like that. So that's the only way that I was able to get kind of far in my career was by kind of doing free work because I really didn't have a good portfolio. I didn't have a lot of experience because that's what would happen every time I would go somewhere. They have, they're telling me I don't have a lot of experience, but I think what it was, was my graphics (laughs) were terrible and I didn't know why. (laughs) So from learning from other people and going back to school and actually understanding what I did wrong in web design, it actually helped me move on. You know, there's, there's a lot that I kind of want to unpack in what you just kind of mentioned there about Mm -hmm. what you said there. First, I want to kind of go back to, that time at Virginia, Virginia State, you said that even though it was this kind of all-encompassing program and you learned a lot, do you think that it kind of prepared you once you did get out there, even though your grades weren't so good? Oh, I hate to say it. I don't think so. I really felt like I had to do some more learning. But then okay. as I'm like older now, you know, I understand that I'm always going to be learning. Like I'm just going to, whenever you're in like in any type of tech situation, you're going to just going to be a lifetime learner. Just like mm-hmm. how I said, we used to use HTML4. I had to learn HTML5 yeah. and how to, you know, make responses websites. And then I had to learn how to use Bootstrap, which I just learned how to use. So it's just, it's stuff like that. Like, I feel like you're always going to be learning. And I didn't realize that. I thought I was going to get my degree. I was going to move out the house. I was going to have all this money, but <laughs> it didn't really work out that way. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you're always going to be a lifetime learner somewhere, but how you get it is kind of up to you. Like you can pay for it. And it's like a lot of, it's a lot of free things out here. And I also use one of my, my daytime job. They give us a free subscription to LinkedIn learning. That's how I learned bootstrap. Okay. And then now I'm trying to learn how to do AngularJS. So okay. that's my new thing. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> 
But I, so. I think what, you know, what I want to pull from that is, you know, kind of this interesting thing about design education at HBCUs. Mm-hmm. I, I know that there are different design thinking companies and stuff like that. They're always trying to diversify their workforces. And it appears that the first place that they look are HBCUs. They'll go to Howard or Hampton or something like that to try to find, you know, find black designers there. But then mm-hmm. I'm also wondering, are the curriculums at that school, although the curriculums at those schools, are they preparing students to get out there and work, you know, to really work and kind of compete in the market and get jobs? Because like you said, you have to do a lot of free work yeah, to I get did. to where you are right now, which is, you know, is a luxury that a lot of people can't really take. Mm-hmm. And also, I think for for most designers, it's like that's that's a burden to have to yeah. do all of that. <laughs> it is, and it's kind of like what's the word? Like kind of disrespectful because it's yeah. you put in so much work, and then it's just like, oh, this is free, thank you. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I will say, when I was at Virginia State, I think the program was kind of new for them because they, I think they only had fine arts. And they introduced the graphics and stuff like that. Like, cause we just were getting Apple computers and we only had like a few of them. Mm-hmm. And a matter of fact, we used to use zip disk okay. and like the computers used to crash like all the time, which was like annoying. So we used to use zip disk and, and those old bulky computers, but it was something that they were learning how to do. I think now, cause I think I went on their website, they have like a whole new program now where I think the degree is a little more like you want to pick the path of 3D design, you do that one. Or if you want to do web design, you do that. Or if you just want to be an art teacher, you do that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think it's not as inclusive as it was at first, but I did have an internship my last semester at this small creative place called, I think it was Round Table. I don't know if it's still open, but it was a guy there. He never finished school. He dropped out of school. He went to VCU. And I've learned, I had learned so much from this guy. So he had his own company and it was three of us and we all were interns there. But I had learned so much from this guy. And also my teacher, one of my professors, Miss Vang, <laughs> and I think she's from like the D.C. area. She actually had told me, like, you're going to have to go back to school. You know what I mean? So it wasn't mm-hmm. like she was trying to like sugarcoat. Like she was like, I did the best I could, but you guys are going to have to go back to school. Yeah. So, yeah. So I kind of always knew that I would have to go back. I was avoiding it for a long time. So I think that's why I did the, I went to Montgomery College because I really didn't want to go and get my master's because I'm like, oh, all these student loans because I already had some. Mm -hmm. So, but I ended up trying to do two master's programs. I didn't finish one and I finished another one and I have a lot of student loans. (laughs) Anyway. I know the feeling. Let me just say that. I know it's the feeling. It's just what it is, you know? Yeah, it is what it is. But I mean, you had to kind of go back to school in order to get that knowledge so you then could kind of upgrade and get better jobs and make more money, you know? Right, yes. <laughs> what kept you motivated during that time? Like, through all of that that was going on, what kept you inspired to keep going? I'm not really sure. I just Because I just wanted to succeed. I just wanted to stay focused. Because I know a lot of people... A lot of my classmates that graduated with me, it's only a few of us are like kind of still in the industry. Some of them just like went and got a job somewhere just to have a job because, you know, they had things they had to do. Yeah. And for me, it was a little easier because I was living at home. So I wasn't paying rent because rent around here is ridiculous. So I wasn't paying rent. I had free time after work to do those volunteer jobs. I also had, you know, 
purchase my own Apple computer, like after I got my tax return or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I had like bought my own Mac. I was, you know, was doing all that stuff. So I had the time to do it, which was fine, but I just wanted to stay focused on doing like graphic design and anything design. I just didn't want to waver and just get a job doing something, which is easy to do. You know, oh, it's it's very easy to do, especially yeah. in this creative field where, you know, there are so many, where I think right now I feel like there are so many barriers mm-hmm. to success that don't even have to do with education, especially not for black people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I got a lot of calls for interviews, but then I think when I got up there, I guess I just didn't know what I was talking about. (laughs) So they just was like, no, thank you. You know, Mm -hmm. I I have been on a lot of interviews when I first got out of school, but I find, yeah, I just kept going. I didn't stop. (laughs) And now you're, you know, working as a UI, a UX UI designer and also doing art direction for a magazine. Yes. <laughs> so look at look Who at your thought. journey now. <laughs> right. Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah. Let's go back to, to talking about Sessie, though. What's been your favorite issue or, or cover of the magazine to design? So I will be honest with you. The covers are the hardest part. <laughs> okay. So the easiest part is the interior because I can kind of be as free as I want to, in a sense, right? Because, you know, we have a style guide, you know, you got to use certain fonts and things like that. So there's a style guide. But at the same time, I kind of got a little bit more, you know, free will with that. Mm -hmm. The covers are the most hardest part. So I really dread doing the covers because I know that's like the face of the magazine. You got to get that out. It has to look great. And you also got to make sure you're trying to like make it different every time, but still keep the same style. So it's really a collaboration between me and Andrea. So most of the time I will just throw, she'll give me, you know, the taglines and everything. I literally will throw something together and send it to her and she'll be like, "Mm, can we try? And she'll give me more of the direction for that. Mm -hmm. And then we could just go back and forth, you know, with that. And then we're done. But it's usually about a couple tries before it's done, but that is like the hardest part of the magazine is the cover. <laughs> and and to be clear, Andrea, that's the the founder of Sessie. Yes, uh huh. Yes, okay. the founder. Okay. And you say that it's the hardest to you. What makes a good magazine cover? I think choosing the right photo is one thing, and then, like I said, you got to choose the right photo, and then you also got to make sure that you're doing something different every time, but still keeping the same concept, mm-hmm. but not being too out there. Cause sometimes I'll get a little artsy. Cause I think uh, I'll see something like, what is, I think it's paper, no interview. I think it's interview magazine, uh-huh. which is kind of like artsy. Like they'll do crazy fonts. I think they did like a black and white cover and it looked like the font was red and it was bleeding, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Like I like stuff like that, but I know my audience is not, you know, that type of person. So I have to make sure that I'm appealing to them mm-hmm. and I'm make sure that I'm not doing something totally out the box. They're like, what is this magazine? Cause you know, you can't really change stuff up on people. Cause it's like, uh, I used to like this, but I don't like this anymore. So you kind of got to make sure you're keeping the same, um, consistency. Now, how long has Sessie magazine been around? Since 2010, I believe. Okay. So we, I think we launched in 2010. We, yeah, we did like three test magazines and then I think we took a little break and then we relaunched again in 2014. I think it was 14. <laughs> I can't remember. Okay. So it's still fairly yeah. new then. And you, how often uh, do you send out the magazine? 
So it's published four times a year. Okay. Well, I think yeah. doing it, you know, quarterly like that, after a while, you can kind of play around, I think, a little bit with yeah, with doing some different designs. If you look at the first, first, first <laughs> Sassy magazines, to me, they look terrible because I really didn't have that learning of magazine design. I had, I knew graphic, I knew layout, I knew print, but magazine design is a whole different type of animal. So your fonts had to be a certain size. Like I was using like 12 point font or something like that for the body cover, for like the body text. And it's really also be like nine or something like that. Then I was using the wrong types of fonts and things like that. Cause I think I was being too artsy and too like, oh, I want to make this pretty instead of make it functional. Cause it's the reason why you use certain fonts to, you know, make sure your users are like, they can read, you know, gracefully on a page mm-hmm. without like, yeah, you got to just make sure they're reading right on the page. So I was using the wrong fonts. I was using the wrong layouts. I didn't know anything about columns, which a lot of people used for magazines. So sometimes you have like a three column, a four column, or sometimes you just freestyle it depending on what we're laying out. But most of the times I use a lot of columns um, in my magazine, almost like bootstrap, how okay. it's kind of a column thing. So you kind of got to do the layout the same way. I think before I was just putting words wherever I wanted to put it. Like the body text, I put it wherever I wanted to put it. (laughs) I was putting outlines on it. It was just, it was terrible. But (laughs) now I think it looks so much better. So you're kind of finding that that analogy between web design and print design. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Because a lot of people think those worlds don't really meet. Like I think, I know a lot of times when I was getting my interviews, they either, they wanted you to be strictly one person and not the other. But now that I learned now going into, I guess, after Bush era, I don't know, when people were getting really cheap. So then they started combining people like, let's make this three job person and make it into one job. You know what I mean? So you had to like know all that stuff. So I went through that, too. I went through like you're only a print designer or you're only a web designer, too. You have to do web print. You have to um, write body copy. You have to do Mm -hmm. all this stuff. Yes. (laughs) I even took a couple of writing classes because I'm not, I'm okay at it. I really don't like to do it, but I took a couple of writing classes just for working in print and stuff. Oh my God. This is giving me flashbacks. I would t- <laughs> Cause I would tell my students. So when I used to teach, we would do this eight week course on front end web development. And essentially mm-hmm. the project they had to do in the course was to make their own website. That means they also had to, you know, find images. I think we made like a fictional telecommunications companies. We would tell them, you know, if you want to lift images from stuff from elsewhere, that's fine because we're just doing it for a project. It's not a real thing. But we would also tell them that they would have to write their own copy. And the students would come back, and I mean, the writing was terrible. Yes. And I used to get (laughs) so mad that they were not better with the writing. And I said, Mm -hmm. look, when you're a designer, you kind of have to do everything. But that was coming from Mm -hmm. my perspective of having to do it all when I worked at jobs, you had to, yes. you had to kind of be, I guess they call it full stack now, but you had to yeah. design it and then break it down in, in Photoshop and reassemble it in Dreamweaver, yep. you know, back when we used those tools, <laughs> but you would have to do all of that and you would have to write the copy and proof the copy and make sure that it all works together. You couldn't just do one part of it and mm-hmm. then pass it down the assembly line. Like now you can do that. Now you can be a specialist that just does this one part of the project and don't right. have to do the rest of it, which 
I that's been a hard pill for me to swallow as a designer because I'm used <laughs> to getting in there. I'm used to getting in there and doing all of it. And when I used to yes. teach, I would tell students that it's better for you to be this well-rounded designer that knows at least a little bit of mm-hmm. each of these things. So even if you all only are on one part of the project, you at least know how your one part affects all the other parts. Right. Exactly. You know? And I sometimes try to sneak in like content strategy strategy with some of my students as far as like I'll ask them to especially the younger kids like I think the web development classes started like age seven mm-hmm. so a lot of them and I got a lot of boys so they like these Minecrafts and oh, these yeah. cars and all this stuff so I'm like let's make a website so what do you want your website to be about and they'll pick like the longest title for their navigation so I'm like <laughs> so usually you know navigation is like one or two words so let's change our labeling a little bit and I'll try to explain to them like why you know, your labels should be short and also something about the page that is going to. I think they just want to just throw everything on there. So we kind of, with my students, I kind of try to help them plan before they actually just go into the coding. Because yeah. I think a lot of people don't realize that sometimes you do. I was doing like UI, UX stuff before I even knew what it was when I was right. doing web design right. or web development. So. Some of the little key pieces, I was like, oh, I was kind of doing that before, but actually understanding why I was doing that was the whole learning how to do the UX stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get exactly where you're coming from there. And at least, you know, that you're teaching kids. It's good that you're also starting from that point of having them do something that they're interested in. Because mm-hmm. then that enthusiasm will help them learn because it's something that they're really passionate about. Mm-hmm. Correct. Why did you decide to do magazine design? I mean, you said you're a web designer, you're a graphic designer, oh, yeah. UX, UI. <laughs> Why magazines? So I've always like loved print. So print was always my thing. I love to do print. I just love layout. Um, I love pictures and words together. And that I just really felt was my thing. So I know when I was looking for jobs, they kept saying print was dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was in that era. So I think that's how I just jumped into web because I felt like, I needed to, you know, maintain my household. So <laughs> yeah. that's why I kind of did web. I did work for a publishing company and we actually used to use like Cork Express. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we used Cork and then we moved on to like InDesign, Adobe InDesign. But then I think they were slowly turning into like a web service too. So I just kind of moved on and a lot of, I, I think around that time, like print design, they really weren't paying that much. You know, so web design was a little bit more lucrative. So I was like, let me just try to move on and advance my career. And then I'm at the job I'm at now. One of my project managers was telling me I need to go back to school. And I'm like, I'm not going back to school. And then I got another project manager. He kept saying the same thing. So that's how I got into the UX UI, because I was just like, I don't I want to go back to school. But for what? You know, I just didn't know what I could do. So I think I just kind of came across, I was reading something, I think it was one of those ads, and I got an ad for Kent State had a user experience design program, and it was all online, and I can do it in two years. So I did Mm -hmm. it in two years, I didn't take any breaks, I did summer, fall, spring, didn't take any any breaks, and I just finished it. Okay. Yeah, because I know that last program, when I was doing at University of Baltimore, I did not finish because I was taking breaks. (laughs) And then I also had kids in between, too, so it just didn't work. (laughs) Yes. And another thing, I actually failed my magazine design class, too. 
What? <laughs> yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You failed that yeah. class too? Yeah, I failed that class too. So, yeah, but it was kind of like I couldn't finish my final project. I was pregnant with my um second, my son. Uh-huh. And my teacher was like, oh, you look a little big. Are you going to be able to finish this class? I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem. I think I only had two weeks in class, and so my son was doing four weeks. Mm-hmm. So I was like, sure, no problem. I have no problems. I think, like, that week I went into labor, so I couldn't finish the class. <laughs> oh, wow. And, yeah, I never got to finish my final project, and it was, like, a lot of back and forth between me and the professor, and I never finished. And then I got on academic probation, I think, because of that, and some other things, because I was just juggling too much. I had two kids, I was working, and I was trying to go to school, so it just really didn't work out for me. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I am blown away by your your drive during, I mean, to keep going even after yeah. all of that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's, that's yeah. amazing. Yep. So uh, out of all the other magazines out there, which ones would you kind of love to get your hands on and do a redesign for? A redesign? <laughs> I think I'm okay with working with Ceci. I don't know if I really want to redesign anybody else's stuff. <laughs> I think I like my audience because I think with a redesign, you're kind of going to have to see what your audience is. I know a lot of those, like, what is those, like, red books? What is those, like, the ones that cater to, like, women you know, stay at home moms, I guess, or like, yeah, you I know, know. like red book and yeah, guess, like glamour. Those, I don't know if, if glamour yeah, is one of them. They, I know, I know what you're talking about. It's like those supermarket magazines. Yeah. They need a lot of help, but I think the reason why they kind of look the way they do to me is because the timing that they got to get it printed. But sometimes I look at some of that stuff and I'm like, Ugh, especially the cover. And I'm like, Oh my God. So it's, <laughs> But I think what for whatever reason, they, you know, they're holding their audience because they've been around for a thousand years. Mm-hmm. So it works for them. I just just let it go. But I just kind of like to make sure that my designs are clean and clean and they're readable and, and digestible. You know what yeah. I mean? Yes. <laughs> Where do you see Ceci going into the future, like in terms of design? So I was hoping to in the future possibly get some younger eyes or just even some different eyes on the the layout. Um, We've kind of kept, for the most part, we've made little changes here and there to our um, style guide. So I would like to maybe incorporate some different styles or get some different perspectives from people or, you know, other designers. You know, I would like to collaborate with other designers so bad, especially ones that look like me. So that I feel like in the future, we'll probably get a bigger staff. We'll get some more people, some more eyes on it, and we can possibly get some other design ideas. Mm-hmm. Yes, because the writing is fine. Yeah. <laughs> the writing is great. But I know if people keep looking at the same thing over and over, like I know a lot of things, things have to change. Like I think Ebony, is it Ebony or Essence? They kind of changed their layout a little bit, like their... They Cover. changed it a little bit. Yeah, and their table of contents. I think it was Ebony, and I it's did Ebony. not like Ebony, it. Yeah, Ebony was <laughs> – it's funny you mentioned that. Ebony went on, underwent a pretty big redesign back in 2010, I think, because I remember writing that about it. That sounds about right. Yeah, and that was actually <laughs> – that was Daryl Crooks, who's been on the show. He oh, okay. did the redesign <laughs> – <laughs> for oh, Ebony no. during that time. I mean, I think they've had someone else come after that because after Ebony, he, I think he did The Atlantic and then now he's working at Apple. But, okay. Um, but since then, Ebony has really kind of shifted and changed their style, especially the cover. 
I feel okay. like the covers changed a lot in the mm-hmm. past few years, and not necessarily all for the better. I'm just yeah. gonna be honest. And I think their paper got a little weird too. So look, Ebony got a little weird. They hadn't been paying <laughs> their writers. I mean, oh really? Yeah, it's a oh, whole. It's a, like I'm, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to down Ebony. I here, know. But I know. Right? They did have a whole thing last year where Aww. they didn't pay a bunch of their writers, and that they had to take them to court and get the money back. And well, that's unfortunate. Yeah, it's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember who the printer is that we use, but I kind I like their paper because I'm mm-hmm. really. I used to be a. This sounds so weird. I used to be like a paper nerd. So I used to (laughs) collect um, samples of paper. So sometimes I used to get this one magazine that was for like graphic designers. I think it was called Print. And they always used to have (laughs) these advertisements for like paper companies like Papyrus, for example, and some other ones. Mm -hmm. And if you went online, they would send you like samples of their paper. And I used to have so many of those little sample cards and books. And I was just like, I would collect them. I wouldn't do anything with them. I was just mm-hmm. like, oh, I like this paper. And I'm also like a big letterpress nerd. Like, I love anything in letterpress. Okay. Yeah, I do, love it. Do you have to consider paper when you're doing the design, or is that kind of out of your out of your purview? Not really, not necessarily. But the paper, you just want to have good quality paper because sometimes yeah. if you get that thin paper, it just rips, and then it's just like, oh, this magazine's so cheap. You know what I mean? You just mm-hmm. want to have good, good paper. Yeah, it's. I think it's important, especially for people that are listening to this that that don't do a lot of print design. Like paper, paper says a lot. It does. I mean, it says a lot, not just with magazines, but you know the the thickness or the quality or the or the durability of the paper. Oftentimes, can speak more for your brand than you ever will. Right. You know. So and like even. If, no, go no. Ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Like even like wedding invitations, because I used to do wedding invitations too, like on the side. Mm-hmm. Even some of the paper, I used to get like really heavy cardstock and try to, you know, I would print them out digitally because I never did obtain a letterpress like I wanted to. But it was just sometimes um, the thickness of the cardstock when people would get it in the mail, they'd be like, oh, this is so nice. It just makes the design much better when you have it on heavy paper. Yeah, absolutely. And I would imagine with magazines, that's that's the case, too. Sometimes I know like I would... uh, Back when I was, I don't know, in my 20s or so, I would go mm-hmm. to Barnes & Noble and get those design magazines. It would be usually these big, larger ones that would come yes. from the UK. And they've yes. always, they're always <laughs> made of like this very like stiff, yes. kind of durable paper. And, <laughs> and you're exactly like, why is this magazine $15? That's why yes. the magazine is $15 because it's got <laughs> and that I would good pay paper for it. in it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I would definitely pay for it. But that was that was like a splurge item. There used to be a magazine. I don't think they're in production anymore, but I love this magazine. It was called Arise. Uh-huh. And they used to be out of, I think, South Africa or something, because they had like a weird page size, like the, I think it was like 11 by 17 or 11 by 14, whatever that not standard U.S. paper size was. Yeah. But their paper used to be so good and thick. And I think that magazine was like 14 or $15 or something like that. Maybe even 20 I think. Wow. It might have been 20, but I still have those magazines. But I loved, I loved that magazine so much. I just love the way they laid everything out. Everything was consistent. The pictures were beautiful. And even like the paper they used, it made the pictures much better quality. Like Mm -hmm. you wanted to, you know, take it out and hang it up. But I would never would because that was $20, you know. So I'm, I like to, I love that magazine. I still have them. I have a couple of those Arise magazines, but I don't think they're in production anymore, which is unfortunate because I love them so much. Yeah, they went out of print, <laughs> I want to say about maybe four or five years ago. I think 
uh-huh. they're just online only at this point. I mean, I oh, feel like online? a lot of, I think a lot of magazines, even de- honestly, even design magazines, like print yeah. magazine is no longer even being circulated. A lot of yeah. them have went from the, the analog to digital route. Yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. I do not like to read online. So I don't, I try to do like, you know, like a Kindle book thing and I didn't really like that. I think mm-hmm. I just like to hold something or just like really see it because it's just sometimes when you read on like a computer screen or anything digital, it's like your eyes are like tired. Yeah. So I kinda I don't like it. <laughs> and also reading things online like say for like if you're reading on the iPad or something like that. Yes, these magazines do offer, you know, different interactivity. Like there might be a video in there, all that stuff. And that mm-hmm. stuff is good, but like I don't feel that Online magazines take into account the weight of the device. Yes. That you're looking right. at it on. Like, yes, the viewport is going to be different if you're viewing it on your phone versus an iPad or a Kindle. But like, mm-hmm. even compared to those things, magazines are fairly light and portable. Yes. You know, and like I it's, tend to, I tend it's to easier skim. to hold it. Yeah, exactly. It, <laughs> it's harder to do that skimming on a digital, you know, digital device. Yeah. I don't have time. I have to skim things. So. <laughs> I have to make this quick. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it is. But the thing I do like about sometimes if I do get like an article that's really long, mm-hmm. I can do like the search and find like that's my best friend to like search and find anything. And then I can, you know, on that page and I could just go right to it. I'm done because like I said, I'm a skimmer. So you mentioned Arise magazine. Are there other kind of magazines that you look to for like design inspiration or anything like that? Not really. Like, just Arise, because I think I studied them. I studied them when I was doing my magazine design course, because we had to create, I guess, was, I don't know what you call it. I guess it was like a, a style thing. Like, you had to pick out the type of fonts they would use for, like, their headers, like, all of their section headers. Oh, like a style guide. Yeah, almost. Yeah, but we had to, like, put it, like, a physical one. We had to put it, like, on this blackboard. Like, we had to come into class with this blackboard, uh-huh. and we had to cut out, like, we had to print out the magazine cover, and we had to, like, circle, like, this is their header, this is their font. They used sans serifs for this, and they used serifs for that, and this looked like Helvetica. Like, we had to break it all down like that. So, I used them as for, like, design inspiration about, like, really good magazines, and I think I also did, what is it, Real Simple? Mm-hmm. I think it's Real Simple. They have a more like a clinical, clean look, okay. which I feel like is more my thing. Because I'm really, I think I went on one interview and, um, no, I had a teacher that told me, like, when I design things, I design them too clinical and clean. <laughs> so I use like a lot of white, maybe like a gray, but it's like a soft gray. You know what I mean? Something mm-hmm. real clean and soft and pleasing to the eye. But he was like, everything you do is so clinical. <laughs> but I kind of like real simple because it's simple, you know? It's, it's real to simple. The point. Yeah, it's to the point. <laughs> you get what you need and you can go. You know what I mean? Without yeah. a lot of extraness. But I, I do like color too, so. <laughs> I'm not as boring as that. But yeah, I, I kind of like real simple too. Okay. And arise, yeah. As you were going through your design journey, you know, as you've mentioned before, you had setbacks, you had things that kind of, you know, kind of got in your way in order to get to to the goals of where you're at right now. Did you have any mentors or anyone that really helped you out through that time? Yeah, I will say, so one, my professor from Virginia State, Miss Vang, 
And I think she reached out to me on LinkedIn and I had to like tell her all these great things that were going on. She was like, wow, really? Because I guess she really didn't understand how much of an impact she kind of had on us. Because at first I used to think she was really, really mean, you know, Mm -hmm. but I kind of understood where she was coming from. Like she was just like, you have to kind of do more, like you have to do more than what the average person is doing because of your skin color, basically. And just from the school you're coming from, you just got to do more. So yeah. She really helped out there. One of my, the guy from my, in, that we had an internship with, I forgot his name, <laughs> so bad. But I remember he helped out a lot. One of my volunteer jobs, there was a webmaster there. He helped me out. And then one of my friends, her husband was a graphic designer too. And he used to help me out a lot with trying to find jobs and stuff. And he used to give me like a whole list of stuff. And I used to call them and be like, do you have anything open? They were like temp agencies. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, do you have anything open? Like, you know, so-and-so sent me. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, I know him. But now we don't have anything. But whenever he could, he would always like help me out and, you know, reach back. So I think those were like kind of my mentors as far as getting through my jobs. And I also had one of my project managers. Her name was Jacqueline. She was actually an information and architecture. She's the one that told me to go back to school. I need to go back and get my master's because she was going to get her PhD, actually. Okay. And I was like, nah, I don't really want to. <laughs> <But> <laughs> she was like, you have to. But yeah, I, I love Jacqueline. Like She hired me almost like sight unseen. She just saw my portfolio and she was like, you're hired. Like I think she called me and she asked me to do something. Do you know what 508 is? Yeah. Like 508 compliance. So uh-huh. I had to do this document. It was a PDF and I had to make it 508. I had no clue what that was. I know making a website 508, I knew exactly what that meant. But as far as like a document, I don't know what that is. So she kept calling me and I kept ignoring her and I didn't want, I was like, I'm not going to call her because I don't know what I'm doing. This lady keeps calling me. So at the time, my kid's grandmother <laughs> was like, girl, that's your job. You better call that lady back. I'm like, I don't know what that is. And she told me to call her and I called her back. And she was like, yeah, you know, you know, you're hired. I was like, wait, what? I didn't even do the document. I was like, wait, what? And she was like, you're hired. You want to come down? I'm, I want to meet you and all this stuff. And I'm like, really? I mean, it was just because I had been looking for another job for like such a long time. And I was mm-hmm. like, really? Like, it was just that easy where I went on other interviews and was so hard. And I hadn't even met this lady like face to face yet. And she was hiring me. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so... I'm just glad she gave me a chance because without her giving me a chance, you know, I never would have got this far in life. Mm-hmm. So she really, 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 really helped me out a lot. Do you have a dream project that you would love to work on? <laughs> a dream project? Mm, not so much. I kind of just want to make sure I like to do redesigns of websites as far as like their content is considered. Like I kind of want to make sure that the right content is up there. It's in the right place that users are able to access, you know, stuff that they need. I kind of just want to do a whole bunch of projects and just do more redesigns and actually creating from scratch. So it's okay to create websites from scratch, but sometimes it's a little harder because you kind of got to, with me, I got to do a lot of research. Mm-hmm. And especially if I'm not too familiar with the topic or whatever, I got to do a lot of research. I got to, you know, see what the industry standard is and stuff like that. And and also keep in mind, you know, the web design standards. So I think it's way more easier for me to pick apart a website already built and kind of make it better. You know what I mean? Okay. 
Yeah. All right. I kind of want to do that. Is there anything in particular that you want to accomplish this year? Like any big goals or anything like that? <laughs> Just get through the year. Um, <laughs> right now, not necessarily. I kind of, I wanted to continue doing my teaching where I'm at right now. And then hopefully, I really want to get on the university level. That's what I want to do. So I'll probably, because I'm doing that to gain more experience. So I'm going to do this for a while. And then maybe, maybe um, in the fall semester, I'll try to get on the university level. I don't know if there's going to be some pushback from that because I'm kind of teaching kids and not adults. Okay. And I know that's a whole nother animal, but I, I can get through that. But um <laughs> That's why I kind of really want to go is the university level. Um, yeah. And I and I like my job where I'm at now. I love doing SESI. I just want SESI to be bigger. I want to have some more input from other designers. And I kind of just want to work with other designers, too. So I guess that's pretty much my goals for 2018 is to work with other designers for SESI and continue my teaching and possibly go to the university level and continue doing my work at my current job and possibly do like freelance jobs too. Okay. Well, you'll be surprised how much teaching teenagers is like teaching kids. Oh, I just want okay. to put that out. <laughs> oh, you mean it. adults? <laughs> well, them too, to be quite honest oh, okay. with you. I mean, I found, especially when I was teaching adults that it helped if I tried to talk to them like kids. Oh, if really? That, if that makes, well, I mean, to like just to break it down in a way that they okay. could, could get it and understand is, is yeah. what I mean. That. <laughs> My, yeah, my concern with adults is, like, I know a lot of are working during the day. Like, I don't know if I'm going to physically be on a campus or if it's going to be online, but, like, I know a lot of them are working all day, so I just don't want to be boring. Yeah. You know, I don't want to talk at them. I want them to really, like, be engaged. And so I guess it's almost like, you know, teaching smaller children because you kind of, you got to keep them engaged. You got to be, like, you got to kind of get on their level and be really kid-friendly, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I mean. You have to You have to sort of meet them. At uh-huh. that point, because it's going to be difficult because adults have more things to contend with in terms That's of true. stuff to take up their time. And especially that if they're doing true. it online mm-hmm. and they don't have the discipline to do it, it's it can be a lot. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is true. the design scene like for you mentioned, you know, this is the second time you mentioned collaborating with other designers. Do you go to design events and things like that where you're at? So I was starting to go to a couple meetups around here, but I never got to go <laughs> because okay. sometimes I teach on Saturdays. So I did find a meetup. I think it was called Colors Who Code or Coding Colors, something like that. So I was going to go to one meetup in D.C., but I never did go. And then there was another one. I think it was some UX like professionals, but I never – every time they have something, I can't go because – a, sometimes I don't have a babysitter, so I can't mm-hmm. go. Or I'm teaching on Saturdays, so I can't do it either. But maybe in the summertime, because I really don't do the lab in the summertime, I'll probably go more in the summer and do some meetups when I have time. And I also kind of wanted to do some more, like, clubs. Like, you know, like, women's. I think there's, like, tech. There's a tech women's club around here. Uh-huh. Something like that. I wanted to do something like that if I if the time allows. I was going to say, you're, you're, in the, you're in the DMV area. We've had several uh, designers here on the show that are in the DMV area. I'm thinking of one in particular uh, mm-hmm. that I think I am going to try to introduce you to. Her name is Diane Holton. Okay. Uh, she's, the, she's the deputy art director for AARP. Oh, okay. Uh, but she does, I mean, like you, she is someone who has her hands in a lot of different creative pots mm-hmm. doing a lot of stuff. 
I, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that after, after this. Oh, uh, good. Yay. After this okay. Interview, I feel like that would be, <laughs> no, I feel like that would be a, a good fit. Cause, it, cause what I'm getting, you know, based from what you're telling me, for what I'm, mm-hmm. you know, just the sense of it, you definitely have the enthusiasm and the drive to, to do the work. You kind of mm-hmm. need the community though around you to help take yes. you to that, to that next level. Yes. I had a friend from school. She used to live around here and she's also a graphic designer. So sometimes, you know, we would share projects or I'd be like, can you do this project? I don't have time, but she moved to California. So I don't have her anymore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's the only thing she's gone. (laughs) What advice would you give to anyone that wants to kind of become a designer or, or wants to, to follow in your footsteps and do what you do? I would just basically just learn as much as you can and just to know that you're probably always going to be learning something. And the good thing about just starting now, like you can start at any age, but even just starting now, it's so many free resources out here as far as like YouTube. Cause my daughter, she's 11 mm-hmm. and she, she draws a lot. She figured out how to draw these little anime characters on YouTube. And cause mm-hmm. I kept saying, did you draw that? Did you trace it? You know what I mean? Cause I was yeah. like, you weren't doing that last week. <laughs> but she, <laughs> you know, it's so many free resources out here. And like you said, there's meetups, there's all kind of things, there's online communities. And I feel like you just kind of got to figure, you don't really necessarily have to know where you're going. Cause I, I didn't really know where I was going. I know where I wanted to go, but I never would imagine that I would end up here. But I think if you just stick to your goal, no matter what it is, even if you kind of do something else for a while, but just remember that whatever your goal that you set to do as far as like any, whatever design you want to do, if you want to do print, web, 3D, animation, you know, make sure you stick to that goal. But you probably got to, with anything that you have your mind set on, it's going to be a lot of hard work. So just make sure that you don't give up on what you have, what you want to do. Because it's easy to give up. It's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to let bills getting away and you know just responsibilities and everything else but you kind of gotta stay up late and get it done <laughs> however possible so i, I just yeah just get it done that's all i gotta say <laughs> and don't let it go and i know a lot of people do vision boards and i kept saying i'm gonna do one but i never do so because <laughs> i just don't have time but i think vision boards help people because they can see it Every day or like even some um, I have some friends that do the post-it notes on the on the mirror or something Mm -hmm. and they have like their daily affirmations, stuff like that. So if you I guess if you want to wake up every morning and say, I'm going to be whatever you want to be, just keep saying it to yourself all the time, even though you may not see it coming, it'll probably come as long as you keep, you know, focus on your goal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Shannon, just to wrap things up, where can our audience find out more about you and about your work and everything online? Okay, so my website is sboone, that's S-B-O-O-N-E dot design. I'm on Instagram at sboone33, and I'm on Twitter at sessi, that's S-E-S-I designs with an S. And I'm also on Behance, Behance and Dribble. I think I think it's sboone33 on Dribble. And Behance, but if you go to my website, it'll take you to my um, Dribble and Behance, and I have a lot of projects up there that I've done. All right, sounds yes. good. Well, Shannon Boone, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and for for sharing your story. Uh, I I really like that. You know, aside from what you've mentioned, you know, with kind of the the setbacks that you've had, 
that hasn't deterred you at all towards nope. <laughs> striving towards, you know, your dreams and, and realizing yourself kind of as a creative individual. You know, there was something that you had said uh, before we started recording, which was that there's power in your words. Yeah, so, it really is. <laughs> yeah. So speak your dreams and passions into existence. And like, I can definitely tell that you're the kind of person that gets that sort of, uh, that drive and that, 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 you get that energy from that in order to mm-hmm. do the things that you have to do. So uh, I'm really glad that you're able to share your story. I'm really excited about the work that you're doing at a uh, Sessi magazine. And I just want to thank you again for, for sharing your story with us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I appreciate it a lot. Thoughts of love are and that's it for this week. Big thanks to Shannon Boone. And thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Shannon and her work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Also, thanks as always to our sponsors, Facebook Design, Glitch, Google Design, and MailChimp. Facebook designers work on creative products that are used by over 2 billion people. But what's it like actually working there? You know, everything that Facebook designs is done at scale, so design critiques, metrics, and other factors are a huge part of how they work. Sound interesting? Then learn more about Facebook design and what they do at facebook.com forward slash design. Glitch is the friendly community where you'll build the web app of your dreams. From games to art to music to hardware, Glitch is flexible enough to create some really powerful tools. You can even use it for work or to learn how to code. The possibilities are really endless. So what will you create today? Get started at glitch.com. Whether it's defining a branding style in VR or creating a voice user interface that actually feels human, Google Design is committed to sharing the best design thinking from Google and beyond. Sign up for great stories, events, and the latest updates on material design at design.google forward slash newsletter. Again, that's design.google forward slash newsletter. You can also follow Google Design on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+. MailChimp is the world's largest marketing automation platform. They support millions of customers from small e-commerce shops to big online retailers, and they support the creative community as well. MailChimp really gives you the marketing tools to be yourself on a bigger stage. Visit MailChimp.com and sign up for a free account today. MailChimp. Send better email. This episode was edited by RJ Basilio and produced by me, Maurice Cherry. Our intro voiceover is by Music Mayandre with intro and outro music by Yellow Speaker. If you like this episode, then please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It only takes a minute or two. It helps more people learn about the show, not just here in the U.S., but internationally as well. Um, it helps the show by bumping us up in the rankings for design podcasts. And I'll even read your review right here on the show. Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch, a multidisciplinary creative studio in Atlanta, Georgia. Now, if you're listening to this and you want to hear next week's episode a little early, then you should become our patron over at Patreon. Now more than ever, Revision Path needs your support to make sure that stories about black designers and creatives in our field are being told in their own words. So if you support us, if you support our mission, just go to patreon.com forward slash revision path and pledge today. For just $5 a month, you can get access to behind the scenes information about the show, upcoming interviews, and so much more. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.